Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down into the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong wind blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to him, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Sisters and brothers, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So one day Jesus, who'd been preaching and teaching and healing around the Sea of Galilee, decided to cross over to the other side of the sea for some Sabbath time, some downtime, some, some even though I'm Jesus, I can't be with people all the time, time. But the Sea of Galilee isn't actually all that big as seas go. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is not even all that big as lakes go, and so the people on the shore could see where he was going, and they walked around and caught up to him there. And Jesus, who at this point had just sat down, looked up and saw them coming and said, For crying out loud, don't these people know it's my day off? <laughs> yeah, scratch that. That's what you and I would have said. Jesus, on the other hand, sat down to rest, only then to look up and see all those folks coming, folks who had walked miles to see him, and he said to his disciple Philip, it looks like we have company for dinner. Where are we going to buy food for all these people? There's not a grocery store anywhere near this out-of-the-way place. He said this, John says, to test Philip. 
a test which Philip then proceeded to fail by saying something that you and I absolutely would have said when he said it. It wouldn't matter if there was a high V fairway and Costco out here, Jesus, because guess what? Dinner for this crowd is not a line item in our budget. Gosh, he said, even if we just went through the dollar menu at McDonald's, six months' wages wouldn't be enough dough for that much bread. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wrote that for Greg Maxwell. I just, <laughs> I spent four days with Greg and groaned a lot, is what I can say. Andrew, Peter's brother, then chimed in and said, there is a kid here with five little barley loaves and a couple of fish, but fat lot of good that's going to do for any more than about three people. To which Jesus said, right, gotcha. Have them sit down for dinner anyway. The disciples that passed that part of the test, they did what Jesus had them do. They had the folks sit down, though for the life of them, we weren't sure why they were doing that because all they saw was how big the need was and how few were the resources they had to meet the need. Later, they would learn to see things differently. Later down the road, they would learn to see and to trust that even little things can accomplish huge things when given to the plans and to the hands of Jesus. And so Jesus took the loaves that the child had given into his hands. They were barley loaves, John says. Barley loaves, you should know, were poor people's food. Those with more resources used wheat for their bread. Which tells us that though this little boy's gift, though little in the eyes of the disciples and little compared to the size of the need, this little boy's gift wasn't little to him because he was poor. This was a huge gift to him. In all likelihood, it was everything he had. It's me thinking of another time when the disciples were trying to keep children away from Jesus and so they wouldn't be a bother to him. Remember how that went? Jesus that time rebuked the disciples and said, what are you doing? Let the children come to me. It's easy to think. It's easy to think he said that just for the sake of the children. The fact is, and this story is a case in point, that we don't need children around us just for their sake. We need children around we need children around for our sakes. For there is so much that we need children to be the ones to teach us. Which is what Jesus was talking about in yet another time when he was with his disciples. And he called a young child to come to him and he said, set him down on his lap, and then he said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, Unless you become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Certainly, children need Jesus, and they need adults of all kinds who will lead them to Jesus. But just as certainly Jesus said, we need children to lead us to him. This child in today's story, the poor child who gave such an insignificant gift, except that it wasn't insignificant to him and it wasn't insignificant to Jesus, leads us to Jesus today by teaching us that generosity isn't measured by the size of the gift, but by the size of the sacrifice. And by teaching us, as Mother Teresa once said, 
that we most of us may not be able or even called to do great things, but we are all able and called to do small things with great love. And when those small things are lovingly given to the loving hands and plans of Jesus, here's the truth, great happens. Which is what that little boy and the disciples and the 5,000 and we are then able to see when Jesus takes that poor child's tiny but extravagant gift, gives thanks, says John, by the way, I'm sure he gave thanks both to the child and to God, and I'm sure he gave thanks to God for the gift of the bread and the fish and the child. And then he personally, in John's version of the story, Jesus personally starts passing bread and fish out to the twelve and to all, at which point all see that this truly is a gift that keeps on giving and 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 giving until all the thousands of people there have been given all they care to eat. And gathering up the fragments afterwards, the disciples gather 12 baskets, and John writes that all are satisfied, that all among them who were faithful Jews who knew their faith, their Jewish scriptures, couldn't not think about the prophet Elisha feeding the folks in the Old Testament reading, and they who knew their psalms of their faith couldn't not think of Psalm 145 and its words, the eyes of all wait upon you, O Lord, and you give them their food in due season. The psalmist knew and the satisfied crowd that day learned that all good things that truly satisfy are gifts from God. And the crowds also knew what the psalmist didn't, but could only imagine in faith from afar. And that is that Jesus, this man from Nazareth, this flesh and blood man, was surely himself a gift from God. And so John writes, when the people, knowing their Bibles and the words of its Psalms and the words of its prophets, when they saw the sign that Jesus had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet whom the scriptures say is to come into the world. That could be a reference to Moses, who prayed forth manna from heaven to feed his hungry people. Because Deuteronomy 18 says that one day God would send another prophet like Moses to the people. Or it could be a reference to Elijah, who in his day also did miracles of feeding the hungry. Elijah, the prophet Malachi said, would one day come again, come the time for God to establish his kingdom here on earth. That said, in either case, some in the crowd then proceeded to misunderstand and thus fail their test by proceeding to seek to compel Jesus by force to be their king, the king of their earthly kingdom. At which point Jesus did, says John, withdraw from them for some Sabbath time away from them and from their misunderstanding of the fact that the kingdoms, kings of the kingdoms of this world may well accomplish the things they do using force. 
But Jesus, the King of the kingdom of heaven, would accomplish the greatest things that are possible to accomplish because every single thing he accomplished would be accomplished by love. Our gospel reading goes on for today to the story out on the Sea of Galilee, but we're going to stop just at that point to think a little more about that first part of the story and think of some things I think it wants to accomplish among us by thinking about this. A boy gave to Jesus. Jesus gave thanks and then gave to the crowd. And when all the giving and thanking was done, they didn't any of them have less. When all the giving and gratitude was done, they all of them had more. And they were all of them, all of them, satisfied. In the kingdom of heaven that Jesus and this child teach us about, hanging tightly on to more and more stuff that we think is ours leaves us with not more but less. In the kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to usher in and be the king, <clears throat> to be the kind of king of, hanging on tightly to what I think is mine for the sake of me makes me not richer, it makes me poorer. The young boy gave what he could give, which in this place was all that he could give, and when all was said and done, he had more than he started with. Giving what he gave to the plans and purposes of Jesus, he received more than he gave. Giving what he gave to the plans and purposes of Jesus, everyone miraculously received more. That said, you may have noticed John doesn't refer to this story or any of these types of things that Jesus did as miracles. He refers to them as signs. Because, because just as signs show us the way to where we're going, Jesus' miracles showed us the way to realizing that he is Lord. Jesus didn't just do miracles to help people, although he totally loved helping people. He did miracles as signs. Signs which point to the truth that he is the one. He is the one. The one who is greater than psalmists, kings, and prophets, and who can do things that can't be done. Indeed, as the text next week, following on in John 6, will tell us, he can even miraculously feed and satisfy that hunger of yours that is not the hunger of your belly, but the hunger of your soul. But that's next week. This week we have a miracle of bellies fed, and it is a miracle. Because what he did can't be done. Some scholars or readers of this passage, readers and scholars who think the way I don't, some read this passage and want rationally to explain away the miracle, and most of the other ones too. The way that's often done in this case is to say that most of the people in that crowd that day actually had food with them, and what happened is that they were inspired, maybe even a little bit shamed, by the example of that young boy with the result that when the baskets passed around those who needed food took it and those who had food shared it with the result that the bread and fish multiplied not by miraculous intervention but by the child-inspired softening of hardened hearts. 
that doesn't work for me. I think if that was the point Jesus was trying to make, he would have said that that was the point he was trying to make, which he didn't do. I think this was a miracle. Jesus flat out up and doing something that can't be done. That said, however, I think it would be a shame if we didn't pay attention to and learn from the fact that the miracle Jesus did do in this story happened not just because he did something that can't be done. The miracle that Jesus did do in this story happened when he miraculously and powerfully and Son of God divinely blessed the generosity of that young child who first generously did what he could do. He gave what he had. Notice he didn't give what he didn't have. He gave what he had, was probably his all, to the plans and purposes of Jesus. What would have happened, do you suppose, that day, if that child had not done that? Would the crowd have been fed? Well, who knows, right? I don't know. All I know Maybe any of us, all of us need to know and to learn from it to remember is that what did happen, happened because he did do that. For what we know is that that little boy, by the way, it could possibly have been a little girl. The Greek isn't necessarily all that gender specific. What we do know is that that little child did do what he or she could do. And then Jesus did what only he could do. And the miracle happened, and when all was said and done, not only were thousands fed, but a little child had more because he or she gave to Jesus and to others than he or she would have had if he or she had just been thinking about him or herself. The story is a miracle story for sure, but I think it would be a shame if we didn't use this story to broaden our understanding of how some miracles do happen and can happen again. For miracles aren't only God doing what only God can do. Miracles are, too, God blessing the doing we can do and are called to do and that the world hungry with all kinds of hungers, needs us to do. Which is maybe just another way of saying that the miracle we and our neighbors maybe need most in this world in which, you know what, God has already opened God's hand to provide literally enough for all. It's all there. Maybe the miracle we and our neighbors most need these days is not the miracle of bread multiplied, but rather the miracle of hearts softened and opened to the desires of God, to the blessings of God, and to the needs of others. I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we need, the world needs a miracle. Countless in this world are hungry for bread. There's enough. Countless more are hungry for you. Oh my, is there enough. 
Jesus, right now, right here, as we gather around you, as we soon are fed the bread of you, do among us the miracle that we and our neighbors so need done, soften and open our hearts to the needs of others and the desires of you. For blessed by you, that would change everything. <laughs>